Welcome to Bakersfield First Assembly of God's podcast. Pastor James is fired up and ready to preach. I hope you enjoy this sermon. I apologize if I'm moving a little gingerly today, but I was hurting from trimming a tree yesterday, the tree one. <laughs> a few years ago, someone actually reported me to the tree police. I didn't know there was such a thing. I didn't realize that if you have a tree that hangs over a road, it has to be trimmed up to 12 feet high. And so I went to get a quote and it was like $1,000 for three trees. And I said, oh, forget that. I'll do it myself. <laughs> Doesn't matter if I break my back. And the last time I trimmed these trees, I parked my truck under the tree, put a stepladder in the bed of the truck, Stood on the top step, stretched out with a chainsaw in one hand. And Jolene happened to drive up right at that moment. Made me promise never to do that again. You've seen those memes, why men don't live as long as women? I'm the poster boy right here. The Hands of Jesus is our new series. Jesus physically touched different people with his hands for different reasons. He touched many sick and suffering people, and they were healed and delivered. He even touched a casket, and the young man in the casket came back to life. There's something powerful about the touch of Jesus, about the hands of Christ. Several times in the first four books of the New Testament, it mentions the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to study those passages where the hands of Jesus figure prominently. Last week, we talked about the hands that heal title today is The Hands That Open Blind Eyes. Now, I'm going to warn you, this is a 10-point sermon. I don't think I've ever preached a 10-point sermon in one setting. Pot roast is going to burn in the oven, Mabel. Maybe, or a pressure cooker, or a crock pot, or today's version, Instapot. Anybody cooked with an Instapot? I remember the pressure cooker when I was a kid. That thing on the top and then I read a story about a lady knocked it off the stove and it took off her knee or took off her leg at the knee so watch the pressure cooker and so 10 points they're on the church app if you don't aren't able to write quickly enough they're on the church app and I really want to encourage you to take one or two of these points and think about them throughout the week I had a, a man come to me one time and he said, months later, he pulled out his sermon notes and it spoke to him, the Lord, he, just what he needed to hear. So I, I encourage you to write the notes or study the notes on our app and let something jump out at your heart today. And so the context of our, our message this morning is Jesus had just warned his clueless disciples about the yeast of the Pharisees. They were clueless. They thought he was talking about they didn't have enough bread. Right after he had fed 4,000 people with bread. And right after this passage, Peter professes Jesus to be the Messiah. On the one hand, it's like, we have no bread. And then he's like, Jesus is the Messiah. And so it's always important to get the context, the scriptures before and the scriptures after, so we can understand this passage, Mark 8, 22. When they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus. And they begged him to touch the man and heal him. And so Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. Then spitting on the man's eyes, he laid his hands on him and asked, Can you see anything now? 
The man looked around. Yes, he said, I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. Then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again, and his eyes were opened. His sight was completely restored, and he could see everything clearly. Jesus sent him away saying, don't go back into the village on your way home. There's, there's so much in this passage that God wants to speak to us. I pray that you would just open your heart to receive this because I, I feel like God has a message for all of us, something he wants to say. And the first point I want to make this morning is this. There is physical blindness and there is spiritual blindness as well. Isn't it true? There are physical handicaps and there are spiritual ones. And spiritual blindness is a greater handicap than physical blindness. It is true. Spiritual blindness is more dangerous. You see, Jesus often challenged the religious leaders about their hypocrisy and their blindness to the truth. And the spiritual blindness of the Pharisees not only endangered them, but also those that followed them. Look at Matthew 12, or 15, verse 12. Then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? They were offended a lot. And he replied, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. If a blind man leads a blind man, both will fall into a pit. And so the Pharisees were like blind guides, the blind leading the blind. And there was a consequence in where they would end up. Now here's the reality. We all have blind spots, isn't it true? Every person does. We have areas that we cannot see, maybe that others can. And sometimes we can see the blindness of other people, but not our own. And so I hope today that you will search your own heart. Let's look at our own hearts, not at the, let's look at other people, but let's look at our own hearts today. In our story, there was a man who was physically blind. And some people in the town of Bethsaida brought the blind man to Jesus. Now notice this. The blind man could not be healed without the help of others. People had to bring this man to Jesus. He couldn't go on his own. The second point I want to make this morning is this. Sometimes our healing requires help from others. If we really want to be free, if we really want to be delivered, if we really want our eyes open, sometimes we need help. We, we need to not be too proud to ask for it, to acknowledge that we can't do this on our own. How many know the Christian journey was not supposed to be a solitary one? Amen. It was supposed to be with a family. It's supposed to be with other people, brothers and sisters in the Lord. That's why it's called the family of God. Many of the people who were healed by Jesus had been assisted by family, friends, and other people. For example, look at Mark 2, verse 3. Some men came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them. And since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. Is that just awesome? They tore up somebody's roof. That's, we need friends like that that'll go that far, that, that love us that much that they'll, they'll rip open a roof to get us to Jesus. Now, like the paralytic man, the blind man could never have come to Jesus on his own. He needed help from those who cared and had compassion. And so it says some people brought the blind man to Jesus. Now, this is what we realize 
The people knew they could not heal the man. They knew that. But they believed the touch of Jesus' hand could. My third point, see, we're moving pretty fast. We can't heal anyone ourselves. We're not the healer. We're not the Holy Spirit. We're not Jesus. We're not God. And sometimes we try to fix people, but it's not our place. All we can do is bring people to Jesus and let him heal them. It's not our place to change people. We can only bring them to the Lord in prayer. And listen to this. When you pray for your friends or your enemies, Jesus will either change them or change you. See, that's why prayer is so important. When we pray, things will change or we'll have to. One of the two. But either way, God's answering. The people not only brought the blind man to Jesus, they begged Jesus to touch him. They interceded for him. I mean, that's the heart of an intercessor, to to come before the Lord and plead with the Lord. These people had great faith in the Lord's power to heal. I want to encourage you to surround yourself with people who have faith in God, especially if you need a healing, especially if you need a miracle. Jesus took the man by the hand and led him out to the village. How many know the Lord leads us by his strong right hand? Look at Isaiah chapter 42, verse 6. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles. To open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. Wow, what a ministry we're called to be as the church. I will lead the blind, verse 16, I will lead the blind by ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them and will make the rough places smooth. These are the things I will do. I will not forsake them. Wow, what a promise from God. So Jesus took this man by the hand and led him out of the village. This is fascinating. Why didn't Jesus just do the miracle right then and there? Now, sometimes Jesus would take people to a private place. Many times he would do a miracle publicly so God would get the glory. But in this case, it's very imperative that Jesus took the man out of the village, out of the place where he was, and brought him out by the hand. I want to share this. Number four, sometimes the setting is not conducive to our healing. You see, we got to be in the right place with the Lord. We got to be in the right place with our heart. And sometimes the setting around us is not conducive to our miracle, to our healing. Now, Bethsaida was the hometown of a few of the disciples. Some of the disciples came from this town. But Bethsaida had a reputation. Look at this in Matthew 11, verse 20. Then Jesus began to denounce the cities in which most of his miracles had been performed because they did not repent. Look at verse 21. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. If the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. The presence of miracles 
should lead us to repentance. I mean, no, miracles and healing should drive us to our knees. Anytime someone encountered the presence of the Lord, they'd fall on their face. Isaiah said, I'm a man of unclean lips. He acknowledged he needed to repent. And the people of Bethsaida, most of the miracles were done in this town, this, this village, and yet they refused to repent. They had not responded to the miracles. When God moves, we better respond. When God does something, we need to follow along. We need to fall on our face. We need to repent. We need to humble ourselves. This is so important. The miracles Jesus performed in this village did not change their hearts. You see, miracles won't convince everyone. And so because they did not repent, even with all the evidence, then they were poised for the coming judgment. Repentance is part of our life, should be a part of our everyday life. Because we all sin, we all fall short of God's glory. And so it's important that we come before the Lord in humility and repentance, ask his forgiveness. Because I'm telling you, when, we, when there's a spirit of repentance, it opens the door for the miraculous. But Bethsaida was chock full of doubters, skeptics, cynics, critics, and unbelievers. Number five, halfway there, bless God. If you need a miracle, surround yourself with believers and not doubters. I'm telling you, you may be in a desperate place. You need people around you that will speak faith, speak encouragement, speak life, not death. Optimism, not pessimism. You need people around you. Surround yourself with people that have faith in God. Don't surround yourself with doubters and cynics. There's enough. That's too easy. Anybody can be a cynic. It's much harder to have faith, especially when times are difficult and you've got to have a miracle. And so it matters who we surround ourselves with. We need people that are going to encourage us, not discourage us. I mean, have you ever gone and shared something with somebody and they go, well, you think that's bad? Listen to what happened to me. It's like we're competing on who's had a worse life. I mean, no, we, we need to be encouraged and we need to be an encourager. We need to be those people that come around others and say, you're not alone. We're going to walk this journey together and I'm going to help you keep believing. Don't be Job's friends. All Job's friends kept trying to do is you sin somehow. Job, it's your fault. God wouldn't do this if it wasn't your fault. Don't be friends like that. Be those friends that say, God is in control. You're going to make it. No matter what happens, God is with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. We, we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Surround yourself with believers. Those who speak life and not death over you. Now it's interesting that for some reason, Jesus didn't want to have a big audience. He took this man privately, probably with only his disciples. And there may have been a reason Jesus wanted to keep this kind of private. Because some people might have objected to his method of healing. Jesus spit in the dude's eyes. What else can you say? I mean, the guy comes forward and Jesus starts clearing his throat. <laughs> I'm here to assure you, the elders that pray for you will not spit on you. They won't spit in your eye, they won't spit in your ear, they won't do any of that. 
And yet, Jesus did things like that, but he's Jesus, okay? Don't be weird. I mean, you better be sure God told you if, if you spit on somebody. But what we need to see is, that's a unique healing technique. Only Jesus could do this. And so is that why Jesus led the blind man out of town? Because he was going to do something? In another place, he spit on a guy's tongue. Spit on his fingers and stuck it in the guy's ears. I mean, that's just interesting stuff. I believe there's a reason for this. Jesus often used unconventional means to heal people. Sometimes he just spoke the word. Sometimes he touched them. and In fact, many times he laid hands on and, and often throughout scripture we're called to lay hands on people for prayer and, and for promotion. But it's, I believe Jesus did things so differently and so uniquely so that we wouldn't try to make a pattern out of it. The spitting evangelist, bless God. Now, I spit, but it's not on purpose, y'all. feel sorry for y'all in the front row. I, I mean, after I'm done speaking, I have to clean my iPad. I mean, it's like, it's just nasty. All the droplets all over that thing. Gross. Jesus rarely healed people exactly the same way or by the same means. Sometimes he made... He spit and made mud and put it in a guy's eye. Another time he said to go wash in a pool. And it's just all these different ways because we're, we're a type of people that we're going to latch on to the method instead of the healing. We latch on to the method instead of the master. And it's, it's about the healing, not the method. Number six, Jesus heals his way. We cannot dictate to God how and when he heals us. This is, this is up to the Lord. Now we can repent. That's a good first step. We can make sure we're right with God. But the, he, the, the when and the how is up to Jesus. You know what? He may touch you or he may spit in your eye. But what matters most is the healer, not the method of the healing. Something interesting happened in this particular healing that we don't read anywhere else in the Gospels. When Jesus laid hands on the man for the first time, his healing wasn't complete. We don't see this any, anywhere else in the Gospels. But again, Jesus never did anything by chance or randomness. He did it by design. And so where there was a reason for this, I believe Jesus was trying to illustrate a principle as I said last Sunday, sometimes our healing is instantaneous. We love that. Our deliverance is immediate. I've heard testimony after testimony of people who have been delivered from addictions and drugs and demonization and all of these things. They've been, they've been delivered instantaneously. I remember one brother I was talking to, he was delivered immediately from drugs, but he had a hard time quitting the smoking habit. It's Sometimes we don't understand that sometimes it's instantaneous, but many times, maybe even most times, it's a process. Number seven, it's a process. Sometimes God heals in steps or stages. Sometimes we have to, we have to keep on believing. There's a reason, listen to me, anytime God delays something, there's a reason for it. 
God's never late. He may be by our clock, but not by his. And there's always a design. If you're, you've been praying for something for years, maybe it's a prodigal, maybe it's a deliverance of an addiction, maybe it's something else. You've been praying. There's a reason for the delay. And it may not be that you're doing anything wrong. It's just God is preparing you. How many, sometimes we gotta be prepared for the miracle. Because sometimes if we're not ready in our heart for, if we're not at a desperate place with God, I, I love the story of Hannah. She was desperate for a baby. And it, God had brought her to that desperate place so that she would make this promise, I will give him to the work of the Lord, and that was Samuel. If she had gotten pregnant easily, there's not much of a chance she would have dedicated that boy. He was only five or six years old when he went to serve in the temple. But because she had come to a desperate place and there had been a delay, and then when she made that vow before God, I will give my son to you, he opened her womb and she bore Samuel to the Lord. And look what Samuel did for the kingdom. And she went on to have other sons and daughters. And so there's a reason for the delay. God may be preparing something in you or something in someone else. We're not, let me say it, we're not always ready for the miracle. And so we see this same principle in the Life Application Bible notes. Why did Jesus touch the man a second time before he could see? This miracle was not too difficult for Jesus, but he chose to do it in stages possibly to show the disciples that some healing would be gradual rather than instantaneous or to demonstrate that spiritual truth is not always perceived clearly at first. Before Jesus left, however, the man was healed completely. Now remember, right before this, the disciples were saying, when Jesus said, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees, they said, it's because we forgot bread. And Jesus said, are you so dull? I mean, Jesus just nailed them. They were Here's the thing. They were more blind than the blind man. And so Jesus is trying to open the eyes, not just of the blind man, but his disciples. So spiritual blindness can take time before our eyes are fully opened. And so Jesus laid his hands on the man's eyes a second time and his sight was completely restored. Number eight, if we haven't received a healing, we must persist in prayer. Pastor Gary was teaching on this last Sunday night, the persistent widow. You know, if somebody bugs you constantly, how do you, how do you respond? You know when your kids needle you. I remember I totally bugged my parents for a motorcycle. I wanted a motorcycle so bad. And so I thought, if I just bug them enough, they will have to give me a motorcycle. And so at every waking moment, can I have a motorcycle? No. 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 I, I went on for a while until finally my mom turned in. If you ask one more time, bless God. Uh-oh. When she starts calling on God in heaven, I know she's about to send me there. So I, I realized. <laughs> but... A couple years later, for eighth grade graduation, I got a Kawasaki 80, bless God. Green gas tank and everything. 
So sometimes there's a delay. Now, I believe we are to keep asking God until he gives us an answer. Sometimes the answer is no. And if God says no, we need to shut up. But we need to pray until there's an answer and not give up. Because God's doing something in the delay, usually something in us. Pray until you receive an answer. Remember, the timing and completeness of your healing is up to the Lord. Not only was this man's sight restored, he could now see everything clearly. How many of you know, because of his previous handicap, he could probably see more clearly than the average person who had never been blind? Right? Now, it's, he probably wasn't born blind because he, could, he knew what trees were. So he had, he, had, he had seen before, but now he sees after. And how many of you know he saw much more clearly than he ever had before? Probably saw nuances of color, just, just the, the spectrum. He probably just cherished every little thing, every color, everything that he could see. He probably cherished it. He... He guarded his sight. It was precious to him because he didn't always have it. He could see colors and details and nuances that other people would miss. Sometimes our previous blindness causes us to appreciate our sight even more. Number nine. Our handicap will make us appreciate our healing even more. When we can finally see, we are going to appreciate it and never take it for granted. When that answer comes, the we'll understand the delay and how difficult it has been. But it will be worth it all when the Lord answers. And so, sometimes we need to learn gratitude. Isn't it true? It's so easy to complain. It's so easy. It's hard to be thankful in all circumstances as the scriptures command us. But I will tell you this, if we learn to be thankful, it'll bring joy to our hearts. And many times when we start counting our blessings, naming them one by one, we realize how good we have it. And it may change the focus of our prayers. Because remember, Sometimes God heals you, sometimes he changes you. The, the healing of the heart is the most important healing of all, of our soul and spirit. And so the man could now see clearly, both physically and spiritually. And again, Jesus is trying to get open the eyes of his, his own disciples. He's like, look at this guy, he can see. But... Jesus commanded the man not to go back to the village of Bethsaida. He apparently lived elsewhere, but Jesus said, you need to go home and not back to Bethsaida. That is not the place for you. Now, it may be because the, the timing wasn't right for Jesus to be revealed, because Jesus often told people to be quiet about him because it was, he was all about doing the will of the Lord at the right time. But it may be something more. I believe it was something more, not just that. Number 10, I made it, bless God. You'd still be able to get to lunch before everybody else. <laughs> Where are we all going? Who's paying? No, I'm sorry. 
Number 10. When we are healed, we should never go back. This is so, you know how many times the Bible talks about this? Once you put your hand to the plow, don't look back. How about Lot's wife? Salty. Yes. When our eyes are opened, we should never look back. God's not opening your eyes so you can look back. He's opening your eyes so you can look ahead. We always need to be pressing forward, don't we? Isn't that what the scriptures say? Paul said, I have not arrived, but I press on. I press on. I don't look back. I don't beat myself up. I don't live in the past. I'm telling you, living in the past is, is bondage. We can't change it. Why do we spend so much? Okay, I'll speak for myself. Why do I spend so much stinking time thinking about the chat past, knowing I can't change it? I still think about the state championship wrestling match when I was a junior in high school. And if I'd only done this, I wouldn't have got second place. I'd have got first place. And I find myself daydreaming about that. And it's like, dude, you're 50 something years old. Get over it. No matter, no matter thought's going to change it. Embrace second place. And let it go. When we are delivered, we should never return to our captivity. It's what happened to the children of Israel. They wanted to go back. They'd seen miracle after miracle after miracle, but they were living in the wilderness because there's always a wilderness between the promise and the fulfillment. There's always a wilderness between the promise and the promised land because the wilderness prepares us for the promises. But it doesn't ask us to go back. Sometimes we need a new setting, new friends, and a new outlook on life. We come to the time of communion. If you'll take this in your hand and we'll, t we'll take together. But before we do this, the Bible tells us to examine ourselves. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty seven. Therefore, Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Wow, that's heavy. And so verse 28, a man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks the cup. And so Pastor Nathan is going to lead us in a worship song. And while we're singing, can we, can we examine ourselves in these areas? Would you ask the Lord if you have any blind spots. Lord, we all have them. Ask the Lord to point it out. Lord, what area do you want me to change? Are you battling doubt and unbelief? Come on, sometimes we all do. Are you ever tempted to turn back? It's a narrow road, but it leads to life. The easy road leads to death. Are you hoping for a healing physically or spiritually or mentally, emotionally? Jesus wants to heal the whole person. Do you need a miracle, financial, physical, otherwise? And so as we sing this song, would you just talk to Jesus? Just tell him what's on your heart. Just ask him, Lord, is, are, is there any area, any one of these 10 points that speak to me? 
and then we'll partake together, Pastor Nathan. Would you hold the bread? For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. You died so we could live. You took on the sins of the world so we could be forgiven. Lord, may we never take it lightly. God, I just pray you would reveal our blind spots, Lord, our doubt, our unbelief. Lord, help us not turn back. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you take the bread? In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. We're, we want to be ready. We want to be watching for your return. Lord, I pray you'd remove anything out of our lives that hinders our walk with you. Anything that's keeping us from your blessing, your favor, your grace, your mercy. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness to us. And Lord, we are looking forward to that day you will crack the sky and call us home to be with the Lord forever. In the meantime, Lord, help us live for you. Help us live for you. Thank you for the forgiveness this juice represents. All our sins are forgiven. We're free. And Lord, whether our healing is instantaneous or it's progressive, or if it means going home to be with you, we thank you for our healing, the healing that's coming, the miracle that's coming. We believe in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you drink the juice? Would you stand with me? Again, we're going to, the elders will be up front. If you would like prayer, or if you would like to give your heart to Christ today, that's why these elders are up front. They're, they're willing to introduce you to Jesus Christ. And I just ask that we keep our conversations to the foyer because some like to stay and remain and just worship. But it's been a great day in God's house, amen? amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Thank you for joining us today. Our worship service begins at 1030 every Sunday. You can join us in person or online. We broadcast live on both Facebook and YouTube. We would love for you to join us and be our guest this Sunday. Our address is 4901 California Avenue, Bakersfield, California. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.